Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Our guest today is Academy Award-winning director Tom Schulman. He's here to talk about his new film, Double Down South. It's a feminist fatale noir film set in the dangerous world of illegal, high-stakes casino pool gambling at the turn of the 21st century. Nick owns a rundown plantation house in the rural part of the South and is charmed by a smart and tough casino ace, Diana. The film is beautifully rendered. It marinates in that sort of noir world that we've all come to know and love in filmmaking. The characters are sharp and all have an agenda. The film again is called Double Down South, and we're joined today by the director as well as the writer, Tom Schulman. Tom Schulman, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Appreciate the introduction. Yeah, thank you so much. As I said to you before we got started, I love these kind of films when they're well done. This one holds together from start to finish. So what inspired you to uh, embark on this particular project? Well, when I was 11, 12, 13, I used to spend time in a pool hall in Nashville called 20th Century Pool Hall. And uh, in the back room, they played this game, Kino, and uh, where they put a board on the table and uh, there was a lot of doubling of bets and so forth and, and, you know, you could lose everything there very quickly, which I almost did. And there was this very attractive woman. I don't know how old she was, you know, to me that in those days, she probably looked like she was about 30, but who knows? She would come to this pool hall alone, go to the back room and play Kino. And that lured me and my friends back there to watch. And, uh, you know, I almost lost my ass one day in it playing and, and that stuck with me and she stuck with me. And, I sort of always had it on file in my brain somewhere to 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 write something about it. And about, I don't know, a year and a half ago, the light bulb came on. I, I have no idea why. And uh, the story hit me and, and now there's the movie. She's a great character and it's well played by Lily Simmons. And yeah. she's terrific in that role. And it's a tough role, especially at the beginning of the film, when we're getting to know a little bit about her, establishing her backstory as well as her uh, internal motivations. And so I thought she did a wonderful job of kind of establishing the character appropriate for what she's about to embark upon. Nick, who uh, is the owner, who runs the plantation house slash gambling establishment, Is uh, played by uh, Kim Coates, who is fabulous. In terms of establishing these three main characters in the film, um, what was uh, what were you looking to do with those characters in terms of the dynamics involved? Well, without giving too much away, you know, it was clearly going to be the Lily Simmons character, Diana, who's driving the the movie. You know, and given her agenda, you know, she had to to act appropriately. I mean, she's there to to win some money. So it's, yeah. she's, and Nick is the Kim Coates character is not, you know, an easy sell on some levels, right? He wants to, he wants to bring players to that, that house that can make him a lot of money. So he's, it's not clear to him 
aside from you know the fact that she's a, a good-looking female that that's going to work but so she's got to convince him of that that's the and then of course you've got little nick who's played by igby rigney yeah he did a great job he, it's a it's an interesting character for a lot of the movie for me watching him I wasn't sure which side he was on exactly. I, and mm -hmm. one of the things about this film, it is so nuanced and it and it lays out the story so well, is I would have been open to any variation of, you know, double dealing, backstabbing, who's on whose side. The film leaves enough wiggle room for you as you're watching it to unfold, watching it unfold to believe in a, in a lot of different possibilities. And I think that's a testament to the writing, but I also believe that it's a testament to the acting as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I thought these actors all did a wonderful job, each and every one of them. Am I am I being fair to the script? Is that I mean I have a yeah. Feeling I mean I, I you know when you're writing something like this, you know you're you sort of both there's an internal logic and then there's the external logic. You know you're you're playing both the the creator of it and the audience at the same time, you know, and I, I feel like in a good one of these, you know, there, there have to be many options available for me as an audience to, to go, or I'm just not going to be interested, you know, yeah. but so, some of it, some noirish mystery movies sort of just intentionally take you through one, um, uh, culprit, possible culprit after another, you know, so you, at one point, everybody's thinking, oh, it's this character, and then you go, oh, no, 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 it's not, then everybody's thinking, oh, no, it's another character, and that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is you don't direct the audience so much so that they all think one thing or another, you let everybody in the audience sort of find a different possible culprit, and then, uh, to me, that's the more satisfying way to go, but, yeah, you know, and I'll put these in this in quotes. I like Nick. Yeah, yeah. I like him. First of all, I thought he was the acting. I just every time I see Kim Coates in something, I like him mm -hmm. as an actor. I don't see him in enough things. Uh, he he was uh, he did a, a kind of a smaller film with his friend um, called Cold Brook, mm -hmm. and I forgot. I'm I'm just blanking out on who who the uh, the director was, but Bill Fickner. Williams. Fickner. Yeah. Thank you. Bill Fickner. Yes. I'm sorry. I got off on that little tangent there, but, uh, but he's just a really great presence on screen and he is completely believable as Nick in this film. I just, he's one of those actors. Well, you don't see him enough, like I said, but when I see him, I go, oh, this guy's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what I know about Kim and I think everybody senses is that he is a very charming person. Yes. And, and he can't help but bring that. To, to his characters, no matter what he's playing, you know, and to me, that was an essence, the essence of what Nick had to be, because he's a, he's a showman, you know, in this, in this small world, he's the Barnum and Bailey guy. So he's yeah. got to charm the audience into, yeah. into being there, you know, in spite of some of the, the things he does. Yeah. I want to go back a little bit on the story itself, because first of all, you mentioned how you became acquainted with this idea of billiards and Kino becoming mm -hmm. I've never heard of this, by the way, just so you know, I've never even, this is the first time I, any inkling of a, such a game. Is it one of those games that in terms of, is it have a special kind of allure to it? Is it one of those back, it sounds like a backroom game. Not many people know of it. I mean, what's the cachet that it brings to, to the story? 
Where did it come from? As far as is I could find in the research, it, it it popped up around 1900 in Chicago and and in that area, you know. And it's sort of if you think about the company Bally that makes pinball machines with holes in the board and balls that roll around. Yeah. I think it was invented by people either in the Bally company or or near it, you know. And it 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 became because it was a fast moving gambling game. It was banned in many states because even though it requires great skill, it, it's it's a high speed game. You know, you win or lose fairly quickly, particularly in a doubling situation. And people can get in way over their heads, which is going to cause violence, right? You, you show up with a few bucks thinking, okay, if I lose this, I lose. And then the next thing you know, you're on the hook for, you know, four times as much money as you have in your pocket. And if you don't pay it, you're going to get get beat up or worse. So it, so it was always a game that, that attracted, you know, the, the kinds of people that, that, you know, would, would be, uh, could take those kind of risks and, you know, deliver the punishment if, if necessary. So, um, and it, I think it thrived for about a hundred years. It really thrived in the, in the twenties and, and during, during prohibition, you know, with all the illegal speakeasies and so forth. You know, an illegal gambling game was a, was a lure also. So, and then around the turn of this century, it it burned out, and I think probably because of high stakes poker, and you know, and and which is an even faster game than keno, and yeah. uh, and pool itself, I don't think is as popular as it used to be. I'm not very good, but I love to play pool. So yeah. when I'm watching, this is another part of the film that I really enjoyed was watching people skilled at what they do and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's nothing in terms of if you're watching the film, uh, a double down south. It's not going to take you any amount of time to understand the the, the basic rules involved in the in the game. And uh, but that in and of itself, it's well shot. That's another thing about this film. It's shot in a burnout, older plantation looking place in Georgia, I believe. It's where mm-hmm. you shot this. What a great location. Yeah, it's a character onto itself, and yeah. and and it provides a subtext for the film as well. Yeah, right, exactly. Yes, yes, and you know, this movie until we found the house, we couldn't make the movie. You know, and uh, it was just uh, you know, it's always a cliche that the background or something can be a character in the movie. Well, this this house really was a character in this movie, so we had to be able to pull this off. And fortunately, we found a house that was just ju- they're just about to to to. Uh, just gut the insides. So Jim, the owner of the house, said, "You can do whatever you want because I'm going to tear it, but basically tear the the insides out after you leave. So we could take what was already a slightly rundown house and really take it down to where we wanted it to be. Well, and, I, I, and, I not, love- and not have to pay to bring it back up. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I love the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it has all of that. Again, I said the the subtext is, and at one point. You know, it really struck me that one point, um, Nick, I believe it was, yeah, it was Nick who said to, and I'm, um, to a black man, the South will rise again, right? Yeah. yeah. That, and for some reason, that line resonated more than it should have. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I mean, I, I have to tell you that landed in a different way that I, I assume you intended it. Maybe not. Maybe you intended it to land that way, but. There is something about our political situation that does feel eerily familiar. Yeah, that's right. By the way, it, the film is called Double Down South. We're speaking with the director, Tom Schulman. 
we mentioned some of the main characters. The everyone in the film provides the, a, a flavor, a different flavor in their characters, and and then the and there everyone is superb. You really did get a great cast. Another another uh, element to the film that makes it uh, eminently wonderful. <laughs> um, but in terms of your career as a filmmaker, did you start out as a writer? Was that your first? writer then director or what was what was your kind of pathway in in into film i mean i i wrote strictly defensively i i fell in love with the notion of making movies directing movies and so to to sort of leverage myself into a position where i might get to do that i i realized i have to have a property a script not owning one at the time or having enough money to buy a book or anything i just thought okay write something so i started writing uh, what was your first script First script was a, well, <laughs> uh, I was working for an educational a company that made educational films and my boss, his wife made uh, through pots and on the weekends she sold them in, in San Bernardino. And one week he, they ran into some people who knew that her husband was a filmmaker and said, we want to put $100,000 into a low budget film. So my boss came to work that Monday and said, I've got these investors on the line. I need a script by Friday. Who, I'll give you it's one of there were four employees. I'll give one any of you five thousand dollars if you can write a script by Friday. I'm like, wow. So I raised my hand and he said, uh, well, what do you want to write? And I said, well, what do you want to do? And he said, well, probably if it's a low budget movie, it should be a horror film. And I said, yeah. And I said, you know, I was always sort of freaked out by those mummy movies when I was a kid. So why don't we do that? And he said, okay. So I wrote a in five days a script called Sarcophagus that, that uh, was a mummy movie. You know? <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, the investors, they read it and they said, yeah, we like it, but we're Mormons and we don't feel comfortable making a horror film. So how about a family movie? So uh, I was, my boss gave me the opportunity to write another one the next week. I said, I'm so exhausted. I can't even think about it. So another member of the group wrote a family film and we ended up making that. Okay. And then on the set of that movie, which we started shooting like three months later, uh, the Mormons were extras and they came to me and said, we liked your mummy movie. Uh, why, don't, why don't you write us a comedy? So they hired me to write a comedy and uh, a friend of mine and I co-wrote it. And the, that script, Sarcophagus and the comedy called Mondo Jocko became uh, the first two scripts that I wrote and then got me an agent and so forth. So they didn't oh. get made, but... They started my writing career. I mentioned in the introduction some of your your previous work and covered the spectrum of writing: dramatic, comedy, um, drama, melodrama. You've written all kinds of different genres. Do you have a preference, or is it just when the when the project when something comes to you, you run with it? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much that. I mean, I think I'm sort of thinking back on it mostly character driven in terms of of story, you know, and, uh, but when I hear a good idea, I usually, my first thought is do it. And then, you know, I start thinking about it and then sometimes the, you know, the story will go the distance for me and sometimes it won't. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I like all kinds of movies. So, you know, I I take a shot at, at whatever. I don't know exactly where Dead Poets Society fit in into your, uh, filmography. But to win an Academy Award, 
I mean, in terms of what your expectations were for your career, yeah, you know, at the time it happened, um, what what's what did that do to you as an artist in terms of now how old that film is, your expectations for your career, and then you win an Academy Award. I mean, at that time, I was just hoping to have a career. <laughs> <laughs> Any kind of career would 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 do, and. Uh, uh, you know, I was optioning scripts, a few things, a couple of things that gotten made as TV movies. I, you know, I had worked for Disney on a project that that got canceled because in the middle of the project, they lost the, the rights to the story. They they hired me to write. You know, it was just a series of of uh, things that, you know, start led me to believe I would be lucky to just find work any, anywhere, you know, so um and wow. when Dead Poet Society sold and got made, it was sort of the same thing, you know, no, no Oscar expectations, just, just, you know, hoping for the best, hope it would be a good movie. Well, it's a beautiful script. The, the character, the development in the, of the characters in that film is superb. I mean, obviously Robin Williams was spectacular. First of all, thank you so much for the a really well done. I'm speaking to the audience here. If you like a film, that takes you on a wonderful ride. It's in, and you'll fall for the characters. You'll, you're just going to like the film. It's a really accomplished film called Double Down South. And uh, this is one. Check it out. Tom Schulman, thank you for, very much for your time. And thank you so much for your work here. And oh, I uh, appreciate it. Thank you yeah. for having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.